Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Well, it's great to be sharing together on Daring Faith. And uh, I trust that it's been putting a bit of a fire under us and uh, it's been really prompting us to uh, grab hold of all that God has for us. And uh, this is my message today, Daring to Commit, probably is a bit of a part two message of my message two weeks ago on Daring to Give God Your Best. And, uh, and so hopefully it's not like many movies where the sequel is often way worse than the original. Um, but there are some, you know, I, I feel like the second Home Alone movie was quite good. Um, so, so hopefully, uh, hopefully that's the case, you know, fingers crossed. Daring to commit, daring to commit. If, if there's a young lady sitting next to your, um, your boyfie who's dragging his feet a little bit, um, you can nudge him. Daring to commit, this message, you can say, this message is for you. This is for you, daring to commit. And um, if you're not sitting next to someone who you're dating, then you can nudge them as well and just say, don't worry, it's still for you as well. It's still for you. It's still for you. Um, We're talking about committing. And some of us are very committed people and some of us are very scared of committing uh, and non-committal people. Um, And we're we're seeing this. I remember when... I was getting prepared to propose to my wife, Tanya. And I, I think it was the most nervous that I've ever been in my life. And I, I was shaking. And there was a, t- a period of time where, where I just couldn't even look her in the eye. I had to be in a separate room because I, f- I felt like my nerves would, would give it away that something was happening. And so I actually had to just avoid her for like half the day um, and so that she wouldn't know. And, so the story went, we, we, um, I, I told her a half-truth that we were going to a Christmas carols performance, and so we, we got in the car and we headed off, and, and, uh, and then we got to the venue that two of my friends who had been covertly sort of setting up this beautiful arrangement in this garden, and um, yeah, I know, I'm romantic, and, um, and, and so we got out of the car, and she's like, what, Sam, what's going on? Where, where are all the people? This is not where the carols are. And I'm like, oh, we'll just walk a little bit further. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see what's happening. And, and she started to sort of catch on to something wasn't quite right, and she started getting a bit edgy. And then I, I started to get a bit nervous too. And at one point, as she was trying to figure out what was going on, she said, she sort of was patting, patting my pockets. She was looking for the ring. <laughs> And I'm like, thank the Lord that I'd hidden it down there because I could have given it away. So Pat, and she's like, Sam, you're not going to propose to me, are you? And I just, I freaked out and I took off her head and, and, she, and I basically ran. Um, but then we got down there and of course it was a surprise and it was beautiful. And, and it was just, it was, my point is this, it takes a lot of courage to commit not just to be, you know, the initial, the initial commitment, which maybe for the point of this is talking about being faith-filled, is the step of faith to the initial commitment takes a lot of courage and we've got to push through nerves and the what-ifs. 
uh, and in following Jesus, we've got that as well. That initial commitment, but then, of course, there's all the, there's the faithful side of it as well, is that it's not just the initial commitment that takes um, effort, it's actually staying committed. And the proposal essentially was the easy bit. And I'll have a great marriage, but, it's co- but of course, it's like commitment, commitment requires a lot of faithfulness. And it's not just the step of faith, but then it's the walk of faithfulness, isn't it? And we're talking about both those things today. And some of us um, sort of lean to one or the other. And some of you are like, I'm a step of faith person. And I'm like, I love to do the big thing and like go and do something a bit daring. And, and then there's other people um, who, who that is not for them. They're like, I'm a very, I'm a faithful person. I'm happy to do the, the walk of faithfulness, but don't get me to do anything that requires like daring. And so what I want to throw the challenge out there is like, whatever person you are, I think there's a challenge for you. If you're a very faithful person, then you're probably hating this series because we're talking about stepping out in faith. But what I want to say is this, it doesn't mean it's not for you. It just means it's hard for you is that if you're a faithful person, then maybe God's prompting you saying, hey, maybe you need, this is a challenging area to be stepping out in faith and daring to follow God in a way that actually requires risk. I wonder, when was the last time you actually did something risky for God? Yes, you've been showing up faithfully, you've been doing, serving other people, loving other people and all those faithful things that we are definitely called to do, called to be committed in that way. But when was the last time you actually took a risk? When when was there a time where it actually got got you a little bit nervous and you thought, I don't know how this is going to go. If God doesn't come through for me on this thing, I'm going to fall flat on my face. Do you know what a great place that is to be? Because man, does that stretch you? Man, does that grow you? Man, does it it realise I'm dependent on God? And I think there's a whole lot of us in the room today that that's where you are. You're very faithful, very faithful, very committed. But it's like God's saying, hey, I want, we need to be taking steps of faith. We need to be putting ourselves out there. And then, of course, there's it. Don't, if you're in the other group that you're like, I love this stuff, daring faith, I'm all about it. Well, maybe, maybe your challenge is more like you actually are called to be more of a committed person and actually lock in to, to serving on a team and, and, and actually committing for the long haul. You love the like spontaneous stuff, like let's go. But it's like, it's the, it's the longer term thing that you're like, I don't like to be locked in. I like to be like the wind, you know, you know. And um, the Holy Spirit's like the wind, so that's kind of good. I'm called to that. And but what I love about and what I love about this church is when I first came, and I I'd come from a my home church, the Baptist church, great church, loved it there, learnt so much, um, and came to this church and was enjoying the messages and and the, the relationships I was meeting and I was growing in my faith. And but the question that everybody always asked me that was really annoying, they said, Sam, where are you going to serve? What team are you going to join? And this is a new question for me. I'm like, I didn't realize that that was a thing. But everyone, it was like, they would pester me in, a, in the most positive way. They would pressure me and think, oh, my, oh man, maybe I have to join a team. And that was so good for me because I wasn't used to committing to serving. And I loved, I loved the spontaneous stuff. I loved doing all that. But it's like, actually, I, I need to be more faithfully committed, sowing in over time, not just the stepping out in faith, but the stepping one step after the other in faithfulness. So I don't know, what, where do you need to be challenged in your walk with Jesus today? 
How can we challenge each other? I love the passage in Hebrews chapter 10, which talks about spurring one another on. It says this, let us hold, and this is daring to commit, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. He who promised is faithful. See who the... See who we are casting our eyes on. See the basis for our commitment, where that is. It's not based on our own efforts and our own merit and our own awesomeness. No, it's based on Jesus. And in 1 John 4, it says, we love because he first loved us. So that's the starting point. And I wanna lay that down as like the bedrock and the premise for everything that's coming out of that. Because we're talking about commitment, but that's the basis. That he has shown his hand to us and everything outside of that now becomes a worshipful response. Let's have, keep having a look at that verse. So an un, unswerving uh, hope, an unswerving faith. Isn't that what we're called to do? We're not called to um, be uncommittal. We're not called to be turning and disloyal. We're called to be a faithful uh, follower of Jesus. He is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. You know, I love, um, I remember those times as a young person where I'd be with a group of friends and we'd be, you know, on our skateboards or on our bikes and as guys, you'd sort of, you'd G each other on. It'd be like, you're at the skate park and you're, you're up at the top, or the, there's the high bit of the ramp and then you've got someone's like, oi, I dare, I dare you to go down there. Oh, you won't, I bet you, you're too much of a wuss. I dare you. And it's like, and so you get this like peer pressure, this peer pressure that would cause you to do something that you probably don't want to really want to do. And so because of that, the ego, you'd get in there and you'd hurt yourself. And, and, but there's a positive sense that peer pressure works as well. And I think that this verse is talking about that, that positive peer pressure for our faith life that we are called to be a community. Imagine if we were a community that would have that positive peer pressure that we'd be like, hey, you can do this. Step out in faith. What's God been doing in your life? Have you been taking a risk? You know, you're, you're living safe and we're actually rubbing off on each other. I dare you. I dare you to do that. And there's that positive culture. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if that grows amongst us, that we're faithful people, but we're also faith-filled and that we're spurring each other on? I love that. I love that. When we're called, let's have a look at some Bible passages that talk about what it is to dare to commit to following Jesus. In Luke chapter 9, 23, it says this, Then Jesus said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to follow after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Wow. You're like, oh man, I hope that this wasn't going to be, I thought this was going to be a challenging sermon, but I want it to be encouraging. This is, this is a hard word for me. I'm like, is it, but this is good. This is good. It says, take up our cross and follow me. We could interpret and take lots of things out of this, but the thing that I want to talk to you about, called to dare to commit, involves carrying a cross, is that carrying a cross wasn't just heavy, it wasn't just, it, which it was, but it was public. There was a public element and there was a shameful element about carrying your cross. You see, it was the cross, the criminal's cross was reserved for uh, the, the criminals, reserved for the, uh, the insurrectionists. It was the worst of the worst. And so to carry a cross publicly was this shameful thing within the society. 
It was this thing that lessened your status and, and, and it was nothing that you would ever want to aspire. It, would, it, would, it was a thing that caused you to have the lowest reputation. And you think, oh man, you know, when, when I live for Jesus and when I live according to his, God's blueprint for my life, according to the scriptures, then when I put him first, you know, Sam, two weeks ago, you talked about putting him first and then, and then it's like, oh, everything's gonna be good in my life. But here's the thing. Sometimes when you start following Jesus, your life gets happier. It does. I've experienced that. But sometimes when you follow Jesus, your life also gets harder. And if you've been a Christian for any period of time, you will know this to be true. Am I right? It's a happy time, but it can be a very hard time as well. And so part of the hardship that comes from following Jesus sometimes is that daring to commit to God can affect your reputation. It'll affect and that you'll do things and you'll believe things and you'll follow Jesus in a way that some people, even close people in your life, even family members will sometimes think, you, that is crazy. That's crazy. Um, I had a, a close friend, a mentor of mine, as I was growing up, um, had basically felt compelled uh, and felt that God was calling him to uproot his whole family and essentially let go of his livelihood, uh, his, essentially his in inheritance. Um, he was all, his lifestyle was connected in onto a farm. But God called him to take your family overseas to America to do Bible college. And, and with, no, with no money, with no way of supporting yourself, but he's like, God has called me, so we are gonna do this thing, despite this incredible sacrifice. And you gotta, gotta believe that the people would say, oh man, you're crazy. People think, oh, that's foolish. But you know that sometimes God calls us to do things that in a, in a worldly human eyes sense seem crazy. Seem crazy. And if we're always waiting for the approval of others, and if that is, is the thing that determines whether we say yes to God and live according to what God's will is for our lives, then we'll never actually do it. Proverbs 29, 25 says this. Fearing people, fearing man or fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting in the Lord means safety. Let me read that again. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. I wonder, have you got an audience of one with God? Are you listening to God? And, and I think of, think of the story of uh, Noah in, in Genesis, where despite um, not seeing rain before, that Noah obeyed God at his word, and we're gonna, I'm gonna build this ark. And and although the scriptures don't share the details surrounding that, but as he was building that, I imagine that there was a lot of people thinking, what are you doing? What are you doing? And if Noah was, was trying to fit in with the culture, culture and friends and, and colleagues' reputation, how he was thinking about his reputation, oh, what are people gonna think of me if I do this? Then he never would have been obedient to what God had called him to. But yet he tuned out those voices and he said, God, I'm going to do what you say, no matter what. And we, we read about doing God's will in Romans chapter 12. It says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
There's that thought of like everything we do now, not that we love God first, but that he loved us. And so everything now is an act of worship. It says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So no longer we're taking our cues from what people, how they think we should live. We're taking our cues from how God says we should live and what he has called us to. Don't conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. How do we know God's will? It's by getting to know him through the word. It's by meditating on his word. It's by getting direction from him. I wonder, do you know God's will for your life? His revealed will of loving him and loving people. I mean, there's a great place to start, the great commandment. But then it's also a specific will. Because I think so often the reason where we fall short in living lives that are white hot for him is that we've actually forgot why God has put us on the planet. And I think, yes, we're over here being faithful. We're doing all the things. We are being faithful in terms of outworking those things. We're loving people. We're loving God. But there's something more, I believe, that where, when, when you see people who fully get, okay, I know not only what God has called me through through His revealed will, but I also know His specific plan and purpose for me. I know why I'm getting up each day. It's to serve Him and it's to have a burden for this particular thing. And I feel like God's wanting to reawaken that in His church. That people would wake up in the morning and think, I know why I'm alive. I know where I'm gonna make a difference. And I think many of us don't have that and God's wanting to reawaken it. And there's that sense of, you know, in, in Revelation 2, 4, it's like returning to the first love, not just doing the religious things and not just knowing all the right things, but actually having a white, hot, passionate love for the Lord that has a burden that causes us, calls us to action to go about transforming the world for God and with God. Do you know what his will for your life is? We are called to commit to his will. In that passage, I love it. It talks about um, being transformed and how we are to do that. And my second point this morning is that we, when we dare to commit to God, we are signing on for his transformation purpose in our life. He, we are undergoing through a process of transformation. I want to invite up um, Rachel to, to share for a few moments. And I've asked Rachel to share. Tell us how committing to get to know God through his word has made a difference in your life. And it's so good to have Rachel in our service. Usually Rachel's over in our kids' ministry. And the one morning that she's got to come in, I'm like, Rachel, would you like to share a testimony? <laughs> now, now that you're away from the primary school kids. So Rachel, why don't you talk about this idea of... Um, being, renewing your mind and being transformed and how that's made a difference in your life. Yeah, um, so I think for me, I first started following Jesus um, and kind of got serious about my faith when I was a teenager um, and I had a lot of insecurities and just a lot of wrong ways of thinking and, and that's a universal thing. We all have insecurities, we all have um, things that we just kind of view in a non-godly way and the game changer for me with those insecurities and seeing the world in a godly way was the word um, and getting a, really acquainted with what God thinks about certain issues, what God thinks, what God says about me, what God says about the world. Um, 
And I found it so helpful um, memorizing particular scriptures. Like if there was something that I was struggling with, I would find a scripture or a passage where um, God talks about it in the word and memorize it. Um, and, and that was so crucial for me in growing up from a baby Christian to um, someone who was mature, more mature in Christ um, was just memorizing scripture and having those key verses that I could literally like say out loud sometimes. And I found that doing that the hard work, the consistent work of reading the Bible regularly, going to spending time with Jesus regularly, talking about things in the Word with Sam or Chester or, or Sam or Tanya or like my leaders about man, I really don't get this part of the Bible. Like doing that hard stuff consistently, I found that to be a game changer later on when I had um, big doubts or I had big things that came up or difficulties in my life. I found that because I'd done the hard work earlier and I'd grown those habits and the the consistency and the faithfulness, like um, Sam was talking about, it became so much easier when hard times happened. Um, And a couple of years ago, I felt God really um, nudging me about Bible college. um, And it was something that I kind of put in the the far distant future. I was like, oh yeah, that'll be great to do one day, like after I've done all this other stuff. And um, I kept putting it off um, and I felt God just, it just kept coming up and it was like a nudging thing that the Holy Spirit was just talking to me about all the time. And so I eventually, even though I was like working full time at this point and it was probably the most, um, it was probably the worst time practically for me to start Bible college, um, I just started chipping away at a subject at a time. And that again was a game changer for me. Um, and I just found that it, even though you might be learning about a specific thing, like maybe learning about the context of a passage or like a letter or a book of the Bible, I found that it actually changed the way that I did my devotional time. It changed the way when you're sitting in a sermon um, because you've done that, that work, um, it changes every single part of your Christian walk. And so I just encourage you, maybe it's not a formal Bible college, maybe it's, you know, doing the Bible formation course here, maybe it's watching um, Bible project videos online, whatever it is, finding a good commentary. There's always ways, no matter no matter where we're at in our faith, there's always a way for us to dig in deeper and be consistent and really engage with the scriptures. And it Im- impacts every other part of your life and how you see the world, how you see yourself. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm so glad that I was encouraged to do to do that hard work at the beginning um, and it's a lifelong process so yeah that's so good thanks Rach <laughs> that there is more that God has for us do you believe that there is more in his word that he wants to reveal to us there's more about who he is that he wants to renew our mind with. Not just who he is, but his plan and his purpose for us in, in, in through engaging with the scriptures. And maybe for you, it's the, and why are we talking about being transformed as a thing that takes daring? I tell you, it, it, it takes faith because in the morning, when you're preparing for your work, when you're running late, when you've got a massive to-do list, the last thing you probably got, think you've got time for is to sit down and spend time in God's Word. It takes faith to say, God, no matter, there are things I've got to do, there are pressures that I'm facing, there are deadlines that I'm under, but I, I need to spend time with you. I need to be aligned to your purposes for my life. I need to be reminded of your character. And I think it takes faith in our busy life to say, maybe it's only five or 10 minutes, but I'm gonna put everything else on pause, let the pressure build up, 
but I'm going to get with God and I'm going to spend time. I'm going to commit, I'm going to dare to commit that God is going to use that time to transform me in a way that is actually going to make me more effective, more fruitful and more of a witness in my study life, in my workplace. And so that's why we're talking about daring and it does. Can we be people who dare to set aside time to study God's Word? Dare to set aside time in the busyness. And you know, I, I believe that as we do that, that God, that His peace comes with that in a way that helps us then to do all the things we've got to do. And we've got to be people that believe, oh man, there is more I can do when I'm aligned to God than when I'm trying to do things on my own. I really believe that. And, uh, and maybe for you, it's not going, maybe for you it is going to Bible college. And I heard stories, you know, Julie was one of them. He, he said, I'm going to take a year off my work because God is prompting me, oh, I need to go to Bible college. I need, to, I need to do that. I need to do that. But maybe that's not for you yet. Maybe it is. But maybe for you, it's just committing on my drive to work, on my drive to study. I'm going to commit that time to the Lord and believe that he's, I'm going to think, all right, Lord, what are you speaking to me? Remind me of your word promise and a passage and remind me of why I'm doing what I'm doing. I don't want to go through the motions. I want to be fully alert to your will for my life today. I want to invite the band to come and join me as we begin to wrap up. We are called to worship him with our lives. There is more that he wants to do in our life. There's much more we could say, but I want to spend time worshipping Him. And seeing that passage in, in Romans 12, if we could get that up, there's this beautiful word that you find in Ephesians, you find it in Romans, and it's inspiring. It's an amazing, one of my favourite words in the whole Bible, it's this, um, it's this word, therefore. <laughs> Don't you just feel like it's doing something to you? <laughs> therefore. It's saying, it's referring to what? the truth that's gone before. And in both in Ephesians and Romans, the, the gospel has been laid out about how Jesus has laid down his life for us, how, how we were once in sin, we were, we were under God's judgment, we were enemies of God, but how Jesus made a way. Not by anything we've done, it was a free gift. It was that idea of us before Christ being, on, being spiritually dead on the operating table. Um, but him bringing us back to life through his own work. And like, what, what can a dead man do to bring himself back to life? Nothing. It was all of God. It was all of grace and none of us. And it says, therefore, in light of the truth of the gospel, then live your life, give yourself. This idea of your whole life as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Daring to commit to put ourselves up on the altar. In the Old Testament times, in the sacrificial system, there would, be, there would be the altars where they'd have those sacrificial animals that would be literally put up onto the altar. That would be the offering. And saying, God, this, this because of your worthiness, because of who you are, and because of, if it was a sin offering, because of the sin in my life, well, I'm offering it up. It's for you. But now, in the New Testament time, the new covenant, it's like, now, I don't want you to give blood sacrifice. I want you to be the sacrifice. Your life now is to be put on that altar every day. Take up your cross and follow me. Yes, people are gonna question and think, man, you're a bit, you're a bit strange sometimes. That seems a bit illogical that you're, you're doing, you're making those decisions. 
They're saying, I want living sacrifices. Would you dare to commit to doing that every day, waking up in the morning and saying, Lord, have my life as a living sacrifice. I am no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. Daring to not only give ourselves in that way, but daring to commit to the renewing process, being washed by the Scripture. And we know that sometimes, oftentimes, you know, as it says in 2 Timothy 3, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realise what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. See, the dangerous thing about committing to follow Jesus is that Jesus will often put his finger on mess in our life. Not to shame us, but to set us free. Not to embarrass us or make us feel, suffer psychological harm, but so that he can, he can bring us to a point of wholeness, a point of where we can cut off things in our life that are toxic and dysfunctional. But as we, and, and this is what we do when we follow him. He's saying, would you, would you invite me into your mess? Would you dare to commit to the process of transformation where my word will speak into your life? My word will, will shape you. My word will bring you healing. My word will bring you guidance and correction. So good. God's so good to us. We can dare to commit to Him today. And today is all about rededication, re renewing our, our commitment to Him. And God's wanting to make those, the little fire that's perhaps smouldering in terms of your passion for Him, He's wanting to see that passion become an overwhelming furnace. Not just faithful, but also faith filled. As we close, I'm reminded of what the what it's all about, and um, I don't know if you've seen the old classic film, The Count of Monte Cristo. Um, but you know, Sam, as a young person, why are you watching those old films? I know I'm weird, but there's this beautiful, um, amazing, my favourite scene where uh, Edmond Dantes escapes captivity on the island amazingly escapes and he gets washed up onto this island and he's and he's running around in celebration and then he turns over to the beach and there's this group of armed bandits who essentially take him captive it's ironic and then he he finds himself at the hands of these bandits and then they offer what they do is they offer him a lifeline and they say hey we're not going to kill you on the spot. We know you've just escaped. We could take you back there. But instead of that, we're going to allow you to have an opportunity to duel one of our thieving bandits who we were going to kill. We're going to, why don't you have a fight to the death? And if you win, your life is going to be spared. But if you lose, obviously that's it. And so Jacopo was the name of the thieving member of the, the crew and he was also a knife fighting expert as you can see in the picture. And so here they, they engage in this fight but Edmond Dantes amazingly and quickly wins the fight but he doesn't take his life. He spares Jacopo and he ne negotiates a clever deal so that they can both be spared. And in, in this photo pictured here, there's this moment of where Jacopo 
realizing that his life has been spared and that Edmond Dantes has actually put his life at risk in able to save his. He looks up at him and he says, I give you my life. In seeing that act that had been given to him, his response, his grateful response was to then say, I give you my life. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a picture of what our life of worship is to be to the Lord Jesus? That in light of how He has spared us, in light of how He has risked His life and given His life for us, the right response is to look at Him in the eyes and say, not because you're forcing me to be your slave, but because of what you've done for me. And I now give you my life. And in the rest of the film, Jacopo becomes his loyal aide and he was true to his word and he sticks by his side and he eventually receives an inheritance for him. Have you, do you need to give your life afresh? Do you fully realise that what Jesus has done for you in the Easter story and his, his death for you on your behalf? Why don't we close our eyes as we reflect on the truth of the gospel? That it wasn't that we loved God, but that He loved us.